Good morning. David is currently on his trip to Israel, so you all are stuck with me this morning. I'm sorry. Um, The last time I preached, David said he was out of town running a race. And he must have been really fast because he managed to make it to every single service that I preached in. And so I'm not confident that he is actually in the Holy Land right now. Instead, I'm pretty sure here in a couple minutes, he's just going to walk through those back doors just to see how I react under pressure. Now, when I first started talking to him about the sermon for today, I asked him what he wanted me to preach on. I asked him what sermon series we were in. And he said the one on Ephesians ended last week, and a new one is starting in November, so I was in a dead period of preaching. Thanks, David. And he told me I could preach about whatever I wanted to. I politely told him that the Bible was actually really big and that I would prefer if he just told me something to talk about. But he didn't, and he wouldn't budge. So as I was trying to come up with what to preach about today, I started asking myself some questions. I asked myself, out of the whole Bible, what is at the heart? If I had to narrow down all of Scripture to one set of passages, what would it be? If you or your kids have gone through the Making Disciples program, they call it finding your life verse. So I tried to find the life verse of the Bible. And when I started asking myself those questions, there was only one answer, and it was a fairly obvious one to me. And so that's where our scripture comes from today. It comes from Matthew 22, 34 to 40, and it reads as follows. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? So before we keep going, a little bit of a nerd fact. Um, This story is actually told in every other gospel. Not every story is like that, but this one is. But in Matthew's, the stage is set differently. In the other Gospels, this question is asked by a friend or by a scribe, and it's got kind of this light tone to it. But in Matthew, he builds in some tension with the way it's set up. He says a group of Pharisees met together and tried to test Jesus. And we don't know why Matthew chose to do that, why Matthew built this tension in, but there are a couple options. Matthew had a constant ongoing battle with the Pharisees, and so maybe this was just another shot at them. But I think what Matthew is doing here is I think Matthew is building in some weight, some extra oomph to what Jesus is getting ready to say. Because answering this question of which law is the most important really shouldn't be answered. Jesus, being the good rabbi that he is, should have just said they're all important. That's not what he did. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So instead of providing one answer, Jesus gave two answers. And I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm weird or something. But I think this is just a really funny interaction. Jesus is surrounded by a group of angry, important people asking him a question that there is no right answer to because denying 
any of the laws means you're denying all of the laws. And Jesus doesn't really flinch, and he just answers it very calmly and very matter-of-fact. And he doesn't just give one answer, he gives two answers. And I don't, I don't know why, but I think this is just kind of like a mic drop moment in the conversation. I don't know if you all have seen the video going around social media of the barista who walks into like a Starbucks or something, and he comes in with a barbershop quartet, and he sings about a five-minute-long song to his bosses about how terrible they are and about how all their rules are dumb, and then he just quits. <laughs> and this, to me, just feels like one of those moments. I mean, min minus the quartet, although that'd be cool. And then just as a kicker, he throws in this line. He says, on these two commandments hang all of the laws and the prophets. Now, when I read scripture, especially familiar scripture, I try to find something new in it. I try to find what is speaking to me that hasn't spoken to me before. In this go-around, I was drawn to that last line. On these two commandments hang all of the laws and the prophets. So my questions today that I want you all to sit with and think about are what do you hang your life on? What is the center of your life? What rules do you make for yourself that you hope guides everything else that you do? What are your own personal core values? What do you hang your life on? Now, Jesus was a master at taking complex ideas and making them simple. So he said out of all of the things he did, out of all of his ministry, out of all of the other 613 commandments in the Hebrew Bible, he chose these two. He said, these two are at the center of my ministry. These two give everything else meaning. If you forget these two, you've forgotten everything. So what do we do with these two things? First, it tells us to love God with all of our heart. Love God in a way that makes us strive to have a relationship with God because God is at the very center of who we are. It says to love God with all of your soul. Love God with all of your passion and all of your humanity that make you you. Love God with all of your mind in an academic way. Don't settle for easy answers, but instead push yourself and challenge yourself to grow. And love God with all of your strength. Love God in the times that it's the most hard to love God. When God seems distant or absent or non-existent, love God then too. And I think that that idea of loving God starts right here in this place every Sunday. Have you all ever gone out to dinner and you sit by a couple that is on a date? Doesn't matter if they're married or single, but if you sit there and watch them on their date, and, I mean, please do that in, like, a non-creepy way. But, like, if you watch them long enough, you'll eventually see this. You'll just see them scrolling. You'll see them entirely ignoring the person that they are with on their date. And I'm not excluding myself from this. You can ask Jessica. I'm just as guilty to this as anybody else. I can often be caught checking scores to sporting events that I don't care about. It's like, oh, India's winning the cricket game today. Cool. <laughs> but I think when we love God in all of these ways, it's our version of putting down our phones. 
So while you're here right now, right at this moment, are you literally on your phone? I have to say at the last service, um, Quinn was sitting right there and he was literally on his phone and I called him out. And then he proceeded to show me that he was on the Bible app. So I guess there's a loophole in my thinking. (laughs) Uh, Or are you on more of a hypothetical phone? Are you thinking, what do I need to get at the grocery when I leave here? Are you thinking, gosh, I really love when Corey preaches because he only preaches for 20 minutes and David preaches for 40 minutes. And so I get to watch the whole NFL show and not just half of it. Are you thinking about how your favorite college sports program just a few miles down the road is in an absolute code red dumpster fire? Because I'm thinking about that. Are you really here right now? Or are you on your phone while you're on a date with God? Do you bring your whole self every single Sunday, or do you just bring part of yourself? I think loving God looks like putting down your phone while you're here at church. But I think for the most part, we do that all right. I think we put forth a genuine effort to love God. That's why you're here. That's why you get out of bed every Sunday morning and you show up. It's why you pray. It's why you read the Bible. It's why you go to small group throughout the week. It's why you just came from Sunday school. That's us putting forth an effort to love God. But I think where we fall a little bit short is the second part. And I love the way that Matthew puts it in his scripture. He says, a second law is just like it. It's not one and two. It's not A and B. It's one and one. A second is no less important, but just like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. On my first day of seminary, our church history professor asked us a question. He said, what happens when you die? And then he asked us to do something, and I'm going to ask all of us to. So I want everybody to close their eyes. No peeking. He said, I want you to picture it. What happens when you die? What are you picturing right now? Are you outside the pearly gates? Are you going up a big escalator to heaven like in the cartoons? Where are you? Are you in a house? Are you on a farm? Are you floating on a cloud? What happens when you die? Are there people there? Strangers, family members, you by yourself? Is God there? What does God look like? What do you smell? What do you hear? What happens when you die? Everyone can open their eyes. Our teacher said that whatever you just pictured will directly affect how you live. He said that most of us live a life that is hungry for the right answers. We live a life that believes when we die, we're going to have to take some kind of test to get into heaven. Maybe we'll have to recite all of our memory verses from Sunday school. Maybe we'll have to explain how our particular doctrine with that one little thing is the right one. Maybe we'll have to sit down and take a giant scantron full of biblical content and theology and church history. 
But he suggested a second option, and an option that I tend to agree with. He said, instead of living a life that believes that you have to take a test when you die, instead live a life that believes you have to present a resume. A resume that asks for someone who was thirsty that you gave water to, of someone that was hungry that you fed, of someone who was in prison that you visited, of someone who was hurting that you hugged, of someone who needed a friend that you gave your time to, of someone who was marginalized that you helped restore their voice. God were to ask you for a resume, who would you put on it? Who comes to mind? Do you have all of these names and faces and stories of people that you've gone out of your way to help? Do you just have a few? Does anybody come to your mind at all? When I think of people who loved people in the way that Jesus calls us to, who loved people in a way that they spent their life building their resume, I think of two people. The first person that came to my mind was Fannie Lou Hamer. She was a civil rights leader who helped register other African Americans to vote. She wasn't a big, important person at the time, but she constantly put her life on the line and risked jail time by helping others vote. At one point later in her life, she was asked a question in an interview. And in a sense, she was asked, why is it that you hung your life on this one thing? Why is it that this is what you chose to center your life around? Why did you care enough about your neighbor to do this? And instead of responding with normal words like we would, she instead responded with a song. And it's a song that you all, all know, and so I'm going to ask you to sing with me because I'm not a good singer. She just started singing, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. In the form of a song, she was saying the same thing that Jesus said. I'm going to hang my life on loving God, and because I love God, I'm going to love the people around me and do the right thing for people. The second person that came to my mind is my friend Ryan. Ryan had a little life motto, a life mission statement that said, Love God, love people. When you're doing the first, the second comes easy. Ryan dedicated his life to loving everyone around him. When we lived in Atlanta, he would regularly take his sleeping bag into downtown Atlanta, and he would find a homeless person on the street, and he would roll out his sleeping bag and ask if he could sleep by him. And he would just spend the night sitting and talking and learning their stories. He also, and I have a picture of this one, he once hitchhiked from Florida to Tennessee with a sign that said, I won't kill you. just because he wanted to get to know people. And as our youth know, and as many of you all know from social media, I'm 
Ryan's life was cut short a few months ago. We showed up in Tennessee for his visitation and for his funeral. Visitation started at 10, but because it was such a long drive, we didn't get there until 2. The line was so long that we didn't even make it to the front of the line by the time the funeral started at 6. And this line was so long because Ryan spent his life loving everyone. He loved God and he loved people in a way that would have made Jesus jump up and down. In a less vocal way than Fannie Lou Hamer, he spent his life singing that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Ryan didn't know when his life was going to end, but there was no doubt that his resume was ready. I don't know when my life's going to end, but I do my best to keep my resume up to date. Not because I'm worried that God may turn me down, but because God said, I gave you my best, now give me your best by loving what I cared about the most. We have to work every day to make sure our resume is ready to go. So back to my question from earlier. What do you hang your life on? Can't answer that for you. Only you can. But I can't encourage you. If you hang your life on money or on power or on the next best thing, you're missing out. If you hang your life on the accumulation of stuff or success in work or being the most important, popular person you can be, you're missing out. If you hang your life on anything that isn't adding to your resume every day, you're missing out. So what do you hang everything else on? Because Jesus answered that question. He said, love God, love people. And I know I try every day to be as much like Jesus as I can. Every issue that comes up, every problem I'm presented with, every person I meet, I try to ask myself, how would Jesus respond? How would Jesus act? And then I try to do that. And if the output doesn't look like loving God or loving people, then I've done something wrong. So I challenge you all today to go out and to do something that builds your resume. Go out into the world and show people what you hang your life from. Go out into the world and show people that because Christ loved everyone no matter what, that you will love everyone too no matter what. Go out into the world and live a life like when Christ was asked what he hangs his very life on, what was at the very center of who he is, he said you. And when we live like that, it shows up by us loving God and by us loving people. It shows up by us tearing down every single wall that says we are different, and it calls us to see that when Jesus said, you are at the center of his life, he said, and so is everyone else. There's a quote that's attributed to St. Francis that says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And even when it is necessary, instead of using words, I suggest singing a song that goes, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine.
Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. During Ryan's funeral, his wife, Megan, who's also one of our friends, gave the eulogy. And I'm just going to read a couple of her words. She said, his loss leaves a huge hole in the world. But we can all begin to fill that void every day, little by little, through kindness, humility, acceptance of the outsider, loving without limits, and spreading the light and the love of Christ we can begin to fill the void that Ryan left behind. We must stand in the gap for him and love God and love people like Ryan would. So will you go out today standing in that gap? Go out singing that song. Go out building your resume. Go out living like Ryan. Go out living a life that says, even when I don't know what to do, I know that Jesus chose to hang his life on me and on everyone else, so I'm going to do that too. Go out with a simple life motto that says, love God, love people. When you're doing the first, the second comes easy.